Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Joining me today on location at the NAM Show in Anaheim, California, my guests are members of an alternative pop rock band from Los Angeles. Their music videos have combined for over 6.7 million views on YouTube. They have played at well-known venues in Southern California, including the Whiskey A Go-Go, the Roxy, and still play regularly at Downtown Disney here in Anaheim. They have opened for the Plain White Tees and Drake Bell. They had a single debut at number 7 on the Billboard Hot Single Sales Chart and were in the top 20 of the group category on The X Factor, winning praise from Simon Cowell. You've been hearing a song of theirs called Hold On. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Cameron, Charles, and Ethan, the Christopher Brothers. Hey, what's up, Bruce? How you doing? Yeah. Hey. Hi, guys. Thank you ever so much for making time to stand and talk with me today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us. You bet. You bet. So before we dive into all things the Christopher Brothers, share with the audience all about that song of yours that was just playing called Hold On. So that song, Hold On, um, it's about... What what did you say it's about? about. Yeah, it's about a relationship uh, that's definitely... It's kind of like a toxic relationship a little bit, but it's kind of like one of those relationships where you keep sticking it out even though you know that like you shouldn't be, but you're like way too tied into the relationship that you keep breaking up, getting back together. It's sort of like that kind of a relationship. An addictive relationship. Yeah. And we started with that, that guitar line was what we based the whole song around that is uh, throughout the entire song. (laughs) But walk us through that. So you started with that. So like someone had the idea for that first and then you said, let's build, let's write a whole song around that. Yeah. I wrote the guitar line, uh, a long time ago now, right? Cameron, I don't even know how many, it was a while ago. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. And so we started with the guitar line and then kind of were like, okay, well we love this guitar line. Let's try to see what we can write around it. Then we kind of came up with the concept and then just started writing from there. Wow. Wow. Is that unusual or is it we've had lots of songs that just get started with a riff? Um, I'd say, I mean, Cameron's like the major songwriter. Uh, usually if I'm, I guess, initiating the song, it will start uh, with guitar. But it kind of just depends on who, because we all write the songs, that it kind of depends on who, uh, I guess, initiates the songs. Right, Cam? Yeah, if I if I were to initiate a song, usually I'll just come to him with all the lyrics and melody done, and I'll be like, "Hey, let's put chords to this and see what we can do." And with Ethan, I mean, in general, I think it can kind of depend on the song. Sometimes it's the melody you hear first. Sometimes it's the bass line. Sometimes it's a drum. It could be literally anything. And I think we kind of all come together once we have an idea and we build upon it from there. Does there seem to be a trend, though, where one of you seems to be strong in lyrics, one of you is strong in melody, or is it we all just kind of contribute whatever we have? Uh, definitely Cameron usually is the lead. Uh, like He writes most of the choruses, uh, melody and lyrically. He writes most of the lyrics, I would say. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and uh, I usually arrange the songs a lot of times uh, and do producing on them. And then Ethan usually writes the bass lines. Then he might just 
come together and just have a whole song. So I introduced you individually in the intro, but the Christopher brothers are made up of, let's do it this way, introduce yourselves each and tell the audience what your role is in the band. Yeah, so I'm Charles Christopher. I am the middle Christopher brother. Uh, I do guitar. I do guitar. I play guitar as well as sing uh, a lot of the lead vocal parts, and uh, I kind of produce a lot of the songs and arrange them. Uh, I'm Cameron Christopher. I'm the eldest Christopher brother, and I play the drums, the backbone of the band, and I also do a lot of the songwriting. I would say, personally, I think they would agree with me on that. And I sing a lot of background vocals and sometimes leads on songs that I write. I'm Ethan Christopher. I'm the youngest of the trio. Um, I play the bass guitar and I, I sing a lot of backup vocals uh, right now, but maybe in the future more uh, solo parts. He's also the best looking. That's important. <laughs> so is this the extent of the Christopher siblings or is there another brother, some sisters? Is it just the three of you? It's just the three of us. We keep asking our mom to have a, a fourth brother because we need a lead guitarist <laughs> that could really, or a, a lead piano player. A keyboardist. a keyboardist would have been good, mom. Yeah. So maybe two more. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? Why not? Why not? So was this a musical household that y'all grew up in? And at what point in time did you decide to start a band? Like, how did all this begin? So we kind of, I mean, we were really, yeah, for forever we were big into music. Uh, I know when we really, our mom had a Rent soundtrack that we would listen to a lot. I don't know if you know the musical Rent. Sure. Uh, so we were really into that. And Savage Garden was another CD that we would listen to a lot. But then uh, we really got into music around like Guitar Hero. Uh, we played a lot of Guitar Hero and learned a lot about like classic rock as well as just really good rock songs. Yeah, uh, I'm the drummer, but I'm the best. I'm the only one that can play expert. So, you know. <laughs> and specifically Guitar Hero 3. We want to make that clear. Like, yeah, and I'm and even though I'm the guitarist, I can only play medium. I really am not very good at <laughs> Guitar Hero, but I love Guitar Hero. And that's, that's kind of where it started. Uh, but our parents were both uh, big into entertainment and music and stuff. And our grandparents on my mom's side uh, were an opera singer. Uh, that sang and then also piano players. So we have a lot of music in our family. But though. then how does it go from playing Guitar Hero to actually, you know, Cameron starts playing drums, right? And all of you start writing songs and singing and saying, like, we're going to actually make a real band out of this and not just, yay, we're playing games. Right. So um, it started, like, way, way back. Ethan got a toy drum kit. And um, and I and I, I hadn't played the drums yet. And I started playing on it. I'm like, ah, oh, this is actually pretty fun. And so uh, I broke it. <laughs> and then I, and then I'm like, Hey, you know, as like a gift for Christmas, can I get like a drum kit? And my mom's like, sure. Yeah. My dad's like, what are you doing? They don't, it's going to be so loud. And she, but my mom, uh, our mom is really supportive. And from there, Charles wanted to learn guitar. You want to tell him? Yeah, I learned guitar because uh, I thought it was just like the thing to do, as as bad of a reason as that is. <laughs> I, I was just like, well, that's, that could help me get girls and just be kind of a cool person in general. So I just started, I, I sang a lot when I was younger. I was in choir and things like that. And that's where a lot of, uh, I guess that's kind of just how I started. And then Ethan, we were like, hey, you should learn guitar as well. And Well, it, well basically, I saw that they were doing it, so I didn't want to feel left out. And I, and I first started on the acoustic guitar, and I was not feeling it. And I was like, and the, the teacher at the time was like, well, why don't you try a different instrument and be like the bass? And I instantly clicked. Yeah, and then randomly we were just like, hey, let's be a band, I guess. I wow. mean, we weren't even thinking like, oh, we'll each separately pick up instruments and then form a band. We kind of just all 
randomly picked up those instruments. But Charles, I like when you said it seemed like the thing to do, like everybody was, oh, pick up the guitar. For some reason, the first thing I thought of in my head is, well, if all your friends were going over Niagara Falls in a barrel, would you go over Niagara Falls? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, you know. I was in like third grade and I just was like, wow, guitar is like cool. And I don't know. It, it, but that is funny because I'm really not that kind of person that just goes with what everyone does. But for some reason, guitar was just like that for me. Sure, sure. Before we continue on with all the cool stuff that the brothers have going on, join me in a virtual fist bump for Focusrite, who for the third week in a row is sponsoring Now Hear This Entertainment. And really, it makes sense since I have used their Scarlet Audio interface for recording this podcast, and more so because so, so many musicians out there use that exact same piece of gear for their projects. In fact, Scarlet is great for recording any type of audio, including podcasts, but it has always been thought of as a music product. Scarlet is, in fact, the best-selling range of audio interfaces in the world with, get this, more than 4.5 million sold to date. I've always loved the great sound that it delivers, but also the ease of use. It's not a really complicated piece of gear that you get and end up leaving in the box because you're too intimidated to try to figure it out. It's also compact, so if you've never seen it, don't picture the massive equipment you see in pro recording studios. I have talked to artists who've told me that they use it too, and if you're an artist who isn't currently using the Scarlet Audio Interface, I'll bet that some of the other performers who you know are. I want you to dig into more about the Scarlet. The last two weeks on this show, you've been hearing me talk about Focusrite's new interface for podcasters called the Vocaster. On my show website, nhte.net, look for that ad to go over to their website and navigate to the info about the Scarlet. On nhte.net, the ad that you'll click on is in the right-hand column on desktop or on mobile. Scroll way down to just below the social media icons to see it. Let me say it again. The Scarlet is the best-selling range of audio interfaces in the world. Go look at one for yourself today and support Focusrite who is kind enough to support this podcast. Well, there have been other guests on this show who are siblings or cousins, such as Diamond Dixie has been on the show twice, Frontier the Band, who are now called West Wind Drive. As three brothers working together, how do you work together? What are the challenges? And I wonder, is it easier or is it more difficult because you are brothers? Because it kind of makes me think of the whole, well, what if the band breaks up? We're still brothers. And I mean, there's just all this mess that could be around this thing but i mean obviously it's working for you guys so far yeah so we've been a band for literally forever like i think ethan came out of the womb and we were getting him ready to (laughs) play no i'm not kidding but um uh we it's really been pretty easy i would say like we're, we're like best friends like as corny as that sounds but like we do everything together we hang out all the time together and that really, music definitely brought us closer together for sure because, hey, this is what we do together now. We all play music together and we're all in this together. And, you know, obviously we have like fights, but like I don't think any band doesn't have fights. But it's, you know, it's it's e- easier because we're brothers and friends that like if we fight, we'll go cool off for an hour. We'll be gaming together and it'll be like no big deal. Nothing <laughs> happens. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he summed it up perfectly. 
Yeah, definitely. It's it's also one of those things where our parents, when we were younger, were like, you have to be friends with your brother and you have to hang out. Uh, they kind of made sure that like if Cameron was hanging out with someone, then I was hanging out with them. And then uh, it kind of just made a way uh, stronger bond between us. We are definitely our each other's best friends. Uh, don't no hate on Joseph or any of our friends listening to this interview. But, you know, <laughs> if he's a friend, he better be listening. to this. Interview. I know. True. True. Good point. Uh, but yeah, definitely. It, it's pretty easy. I mean, definitely we can pl- practice anytime we want. And there's ah. lots of things, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of advantages. And also, you know, the person a lot better than if you just have a random person in the band that you don't know as well. So, you know, I definitely say it's easier. Yeah, I like that. And Cameron, I like that you said what band doesn't have some disagreements between them. So y'all are going to have disagreements just by nature of our humanity, by virtue of being brothers, by virtue of being musicians together. So absolutely. But it also made me think of the second time that Diamond Dixie was on the show, I asked the two girls, okay, so y'all are best friends, you're sisters, and you're in Diamond Dixie together. But what happens when all of a sudden a boy comes into the picture and now this one's more interested in the boyfriend than the act? And I guess I could say the same thing to the three of you. Like, have you kind of made some kind of unwritten agreement that, like, the the band has to come before all other outside interests? Like how you were saying, like, if Cameron has a friend, like, then Charles has to go and be part of that, too, because it sounds like, you know, we don't want someone branching off and straying and all of a sudden, like, okay, the Christopher Brothers are now a duo. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, we always say the Christopher Brothers, we can still have the Christopher Brothers with two of us, but, <laughs> but that's not, no, definitely... Uh, as brothers, I mean, that's definitely Cameron, like if he has a girlfriend or I have a girlfriend at the time, or even if Ethan has a girlfriend at the time, uh, it's it's definitely we're like, hey, you're like part of our unit. You know, we kind of move as a unit. Definitely. That's just kind of how we've been. Uh, so it's kind of like they're initiated into our family a little bit if, if it's a girlfriend. Or anything like that. And uh, Ethan is single. So if there are any <laughs> ladies out there, you know, he's he's the best looking, like we said. So you might want to hit him up. Thank you, Cameron, for the for the help there. <laughs> but I like that you said that we're a unit and that you have, I mean, Cameron, you said we've been a band forever because it sounds like there never really was an opportunity for someone to go off and start a solo project and go, okay, well, I, I guess the two of us can kind of, like, this is awkward. And so it's like, it's just a given that if someone is Ethan's girlfriend, well, guess what? You're also joining Cameron and Charles to an extent because the band is part of who Ethan is. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. So how would you describe your sound? And, and, you know, aside aside from the fact that you're brothers, what would you say is unique about your group? Yeah, I mean, uh, for sound, we definitely, I'm heavily influenced by Green Day and the Beatles and Weezer. That's like my bread and butter with what I love. We all have different genres that we're really into. Cameron, what are are you into? Uh, Well, definitely some of the same artists he just named are some of my favorite bands but i'm also i really like musical theater and i definitely think that plays a big part in a lot of my writing um honestly i i hate to say like i love all kinds of music but i really do love all kinds of music tons of artists like my playlist is like a thousand songs of just the most random (laughs) he's got a lot of random disney songs on there (laughs) he's got like high school musical on there a little bit i'm throwing shade at cameron right cameron (laughs) yeah a little bit of high school musical but you know i mean it's good songs i don't know uh, I, I love J-Rock. I love K-pop, EDM, funk. Uh, my playlist is bigger than Cameron's. I've got like <laughs> 1,600 songs. Uh, and I'm constantly listening to mu- new music, finding new artists. Um, and yeah, I think I don't 
anything can kind of inspire me for like what like I want to listen to. Kind of at the time, it can change randomly. Well, and I imagine that since it sounds like the three of you are so collaborative in your writing, that it helps to have such a wide array of interests because one might bring something that the other one, if it was just a solo songwriter, a solo recording artist, they could still be someone that has a wide musical interest, but now it's times three. Yeah, definitely. Ethan always wants to play a funk bass line to most of our songs. He usually starts there. And we're like, okay, this is a punk song, so just eighth notes, Ethan. Uh, but <laughs> but usually, no, but it is really great for the writing process that we each have our own eclectic. I mean, they're all similar in the sound. We do really like rock music at its core. Uh, and we're very raw. We're kind of like a garagey rock kind of sound. Uh, and that's kind of just where our niche is. So even if something's a little more produced or anything like that, we always kind of gravitate towards that real raw uh, sound. The Christopher brothers are no stranger to where we are today, which is Anaheim. You've played pretty much regularly at Downtown Disney as well as Disneyland. How long have you been playing there, and how did you come to the point where you have a recurring gig at a major theme park like Disney? So Disney originally just contacted us and said, hey, you know, we've heard of you guys. We'd um, like to invite you guys come audition for us see if you guys are right for um to come and perform at downtown disney and we're like oh yeah this is great and so we went and we auditioned and any idea when that was that was about four years ago wow i would say so um we were performing pretty regularly at downtown disney and then the pandemic everything all the entertainment there for about a year or a year and a half was shut down but then i think it was back in October of last year, they started they started booking us once a week at Downtown Disney, and then they booked us uh, for their New Year's Eve show in the park. We were the only band wow. that they booked in the whole park, and it was great on their uh, the Tomorrowland Terrace stage, which was insane. It was so cool um, being on that stage. But yeah, and now we're playing um, twice a week there in the mm. park. So it's it's just it kind of blossomed into this whole like kind of relationship with disney which we love disney we're big disney fans i have a season pass and i go there as often as i possibly can (laughs) it's interesting though that you say that they contacted you first because i've interviewed people before who have said i got this random email from some person and a lot of times a guest will say it seemed pretty sketchy i almost wasn't going to respond to it or ended up in my junk folder and i think you're going to tell me we kind of knew it was legit because the person had like an at Disney.com email address and it's like, this is a no brainer. Yeah, definitely. I, I know they called us and we were like, we saw the area code was in Anaheim, but we weren't sure exactly what. And we answered it and like, hey, we're from Disney. And do you want to, you know, audition? And we're like, of course. Why, why would we not want to audition? We love Disney. So, yeah. Yep. But you know, as much as you probably don't need validation, how much did that mean to you? that they were the ones finding you. Did you ever ask them, you know, how did you find us? Because that, that had to really be a real shot in the arm for the three of you to say, oh, Disney is calling us? They probably get hit every day by who knows how many artists looking to say, how do we get to play at your theme park? And here they are saying, let's contact the Christopher Brothers. These guys are good. Yeah, I know they're very selective uh, with their type of music and people who play there. So it was definitely, I mean, can't Oh, I was just going to say, like, we have, I would say, at least once or twice a show, people come up to us and say, hey, how do you guys get this show? Like, how do you guys come and play down here? And we're like, they contacted us. They just wrote wow. wrote to us. They reached mm-hmm. out. I don't know how they heard about us. And we were just like, yeah. And so we wish we could, like, we, we don't know how <laughs> to tell, like, really how to tell anyone 
to play down there, but we, it's, I guess, just lucky and just being out there. Enough. Who answered that call? Was it one of the three of you or was it your mom? It was yeah, our mom. Oh, okay. yeah, she answered that. Because I was going to say, was it one of those, it's, they're saying they're from Disney. They want us to play there. They want us to watch <laughs> well, well, actually, <laughs> we were, we were on tour when that happened. Where were we? We were in Colorado. Yeah. And, um, and we, so we were all driving in the car and it came on. So we all heard the entire call. And we were like, what? Like, what? This is crazy. So we got to hear the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. And it was insane. And we actually had to <laughs> sprint back because um, that was the last, I think, the last show of the tour was that. Yeah, it was. Uh, I know we had it was like the last week of the tour. We were on a high school tour um, of different high schools we would perform at. And it was the last week of the tour. And they called us and like, hey, can you come back to the audition like in like five days from like when our last day or was it five days or maybe? Yeah, it was it was really close. So we we drove across the country like in 2 days. It was like mm. way way the the mountains, <laughs> the wind, it was like everything was getting in the way. There was snow, <laughs> my god. Uh and then we were like, okay, we had to put together like a really compelling uh little compilation of our songs and sounds. Wow. Um and yeah, and they loved it. So, it, you, we're super grateful to be part of it. You get to experience all four seasons in 2 days driving I, across the country. It's definitely true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, speaking of live shows, you have also played at Whiskey A Go Go and The Roxy. Anything that really stands out from from those two shows, good or bad? Yeah, I mean, we love playing uh, any clubs. Definitely The Roxy and The Whiskey are some of our favorites. We played a really fun show. Uh, again, some random uh, person contacted our manager and they said, Hey, I have this group from the Netherlands that are really popular in the Netherlands called named Nick and Simon. Uh, and they said, Hey, do you want to play a show with us at the Whiskey A Go Go? And we're like, Oh, yeah, it would, sorry, they were filming a TV show. And so uh, their TV show is, they're from the Netherlands and they sell out like arenas over there. Wow. But across, around the world, nobody knows who they are. So they kind of just go around the world and meet up with different artists and perform at different legendary venues and stuff. So, uh, yeah, but it was really fun. We got to play and we did a whole like California set with them, did some of their originals mm. and some of our own stuff as well. And that was a really fun show. Yeah. Definitely. That was, I would say, one of our favorite shows that we've done, just getting to play with them. They're so talented and getting to be their band, too, was a lot of fun. And the Roxy, I would say, too, is such an awesome venue that we played at. Really so cool. I, I love the Roxy. Ethan, how was that standing on stage at those two venues saying, I'm playing at the Whiskey A Go Go right now. I'm playing at the Roxy right it now. Was, it was honestly like disbelief i mean it was very surreal because especially at the time i was i was so young i mean how, how old was i probably like when you did the nick and simon thing what was that like four or five years ago probably maybe yeah, i don't think you were that young ethan for that one <laughs> 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 he's only what how, what are you 21 now so yeah i guess i guess you were young 16 but you know wow yeah wow yeah because a lot of the places we performed at they're like you technically shouldn't even be in here Oh, that's you know, right. For clubs. That's right. Um, so 21 and up, you know. Yeah. So it's weird now being able to kind of just now the three of us can finally like go into clubs and they're like, yeah, you guys can all come in, you know. Well, and if you were 16 at the time, you figure there's some musicians who don't get into there until they're 26 or 36. And here yeah. you were at 16 being like, yeah, just playing at the Roxy. That's all. Yeah. No big deal. All I needed, X on both hands. They're like, you're good to go. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. I'm joined today on location at the NAMM Show in Anaheim, California, by alt-pop rock band The Christopher Brothers. Visit their official website at thechristopherbrothers.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. 
You will see the icons right at the top of their website to follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as to watch their videos on YouTube and to stream their original music on Spotify. Better yet, show them your support by purchasing their music from their website. Keep up with the brothers online so you can see where and when you can go see them perform live. Are you receiving the weekly e-newsletter? It has information about the latest podcast episode and other notable goings-on. Plus, there are oftentimes exclusives in there that only people who get that are seeing first. Just go to the podcast website, nhte.net, and put in your email address. And yes, you really will only get an email from Bruce each Wednesday. That's it. No spam. Sign up now for free and stay up with everything going on with the show and more. It's fast and easy at nhte.net. Guys, the band made it to the top 20 of the group category on The X Factor with great praises from Simon Cowell on your original song, Smile. Share with us about your experience on The X Factor and getting praise from Simon Cowell, which, again, had to be very encouraging. Yeah, so when we did that, how long ago was that? Now, that was a while back, but... It was um, very exciting being there, and I, I just remember being on the because that was the first time, and probably one of the only times I ever performed without a drum kit because it's just vocals; it's only singing. So we auditioned for the show, and we got on, and we got to go, and it was in front of like ten thousand people, first time just singing. <laughs> and so, and Simon, one one of the things he said to us multiple times when we met him was like he loved our song, uh, which was "Smile." Which is uh, available if anyone wants to listen to it. But it, but it, but yeah, and that really resonated because you know I, I like wrote that song and that Simon was saying mm. that I'm like it really gave us I, I would say it gave me at least confidence to keep going. And just... Yeah, and my God, he had the whitest teeth out of any person <laughs> I've ever met. It's it's pretty insane. <laughs> my impressions of Simon's call starts with white teeth. <laughs> Secondly, is he loved smile? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's why he loved the song because it's called True, Smile. On the good time. point. <laughs> <laughs> but Cameron, how did that feel when all of a sudden you find out this is singing only, and you're going, "I'm the drummer. I sit behind the kit." Like, what do you mean we're just going to get up there and sing? <laughs> oh, it was it was very interesting for me at least. I know we went to a dance studio and had to practice in front of like a mirror just to like for stage presence like walking out to the audience and wow yeah like that kind of thing waving our hands in the air um and it was you know but like it was a long day we got there at seven and we didn't go on till like nine at night we got there seven yeah it was crazy so i was like probably so tired i was literally so tired i don't even remember i just went out there i'm like yeah and our guy who his name was Ob. Uh, he hyped us up before we went out. He's like, "You go out there. You don't care what any of those judges think. You're just gonna go out there and you're gonna kill it. And you're gonna be amazing." And we're like, "Yeah!" And we went out there and we're like, "Awesome!" And we did it. And we got through. And we're like, "Wow, that was crazy." Yeah, it was definitely a little delirious. At a certain point, you know, we were we were uh, really excited to go out there, but there were ten thousand people in the audience, and we are not a boy band, even though we were a boy band at that moment. You know, in a way. Uh, so it was, it was definitely interesting, but it was, it was super fun and we were happy to get through. But along the way, thinking about these different points that we've been talking about, you get a chance to audition on the X factor and Simon Cowell has good things to say about you. You get contacted by Disney, not the other way around. You get contacted by these folks out of the Netherlands. Do you guys want to do the show with us? 
as much as artists will say, I don't need the validation, I just really enjoy my craft, etc., it has to make you kind of say, I think we're on to something here, I think we're on the right track, look at these doors that keep opening for us, yes? Yeah, I mean, definitely all those things add up, and it kind of is cool to see where we started from to where like we've kind of continually gone and hopefully we'll continually, continually go in the future. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it, it means so much because... I mean, I remember watching Simon Cowell when I was like super little on American Idol and being like, oh my God, I'd love to be on, you know, meet him and be on the show. And yeah, that was huge. Your music video, The Girl Next Door, won the California Music Video Best Band Award. When was that and, and how did that happen? And, and also share with the audience about the video itself and, and making it. Yeah, uh, we shot that music video with our uh, camera guy. Uh, Jared is his name, and he we we set up in front of uh, his neighbor's house, and we kind of shot it. it. It looks like we're in England a little bit because the house is, I think, a British home, right, Cameron? I'm not sure, but it does look very British. Yeah. So, uh, but we kind of shot the music video, and we definitely took inspiration from the Monkees and the Beatles. The very stop motion. Uh, it's black and white as well. And I don't know. We we love that time period, and that's kind of a throwback to that kind of sound. So. Yeah. But was that we're just making this video and then oh by the way we happen to find out about this California music video competition and you submit it you didn't make the video just for that correct No I, believe it or not they contacted us again uh, Oh my gosh <laughs> They they wrote to us they're like hey you guys are nominated and uh won I think we won right Cameron We won we have some sort of plaque or something at the house but wow. yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, no, it was super cool and awesome. And we went up there. It was in San Francisco. Yeah, and so they we got to stay in the hotel and went to the award show. It was great. Wow, wow. And so it sounds like you had somebody helping you, but was it a case of we really kind of conceptualized the video ourselves? I mean, if it was a neighbor, you probably kind of had this idea, like, why don't we just film it right there? Yeah, uh, I don't even know if we got the neighbor's permission. So <laughs> it was it was a compl- apartment complex. I think. Don't tell them, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we kind of came up with the concept. I mean, we uh, initially when we wrote the song, Kim wrote the song. I did write the song. Yes, uh, and uh, it was definitely a '60s throwback uh, to because we, we're big fans of that thing you do. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Yep, Have yep. you? Yeah. So we love we love that movie. And we wanted to kind of write a song in that kind of style just because we're really passionate about 60s and Beatles and monkeys and uh, all that kind of sound. And then we just wanted to style the video very similar to like something like a, a Help or Hard Day's Night kind of vibe. I keep hearing this recurring theme where, again, it goes back to early in the conversation. We were talking about the diverse music interests, but this theme about the 60s, about the Beatles, about the monkeys, things like that, and, and drawing a lot from that. Was that from your parents? Was that you were raised you know, watching a lot of that and listening to a lot of that? I mean, I know our parents are super into uh, 60s. They weren't as much into 90s, though, but we're super into 90s and 60s. I don't know why. That was just the two. I guess... No the, offense to the 70s and 80s. No, yeah, right? <laughs> of course, of course. My dad's really into the 70s, uh, and my mom loves the 80s. And I, I think definitely those two... Uh, periods of music are very raw with just the sound. I mean, a lot of like, if you're thinking like Nirvana or Green Day or even the Beatles or, you know, they're very, I know Kurt Cobain was heavily influenced by uh, the Beatles and a lot of his songwriting. And I don't know, I guess it's just that kind of very simplistic uh, band sort of sound where it's just guitar, bass and uh, 
drums that we just and we're super we love harmonies a lot of our songs have a lot of harmonies in them just like the beatles or green day or blink 182 so yeah that's kind of just where it, it where it lied i guess the christopher brothers opened for the plain white tees and drake bell on the high school nation tour doing hundreds of shows with hollister and ernie ball as sponsors if you tell me that they contacted you, we're done. <laughs> you know, how did you get that? And, and you know, what were some of the takeaways from that experience? Maybe lessons learned, but maybe you saw an increase in, in fans and followers, made some good connections. I, I if you're asking, I can't even remember how we got booked to play that, honestly. Cause we, I originally it was a middle school tour we did with them. And then they're like, Hey, do you want to do the high school tour with us with Drake Bell and the Plain White Tees? Which we love the Plain White Tees. Oh my God, they're amazing. Um, but, um, yeah, basically, I mean, it was a really cool event. Um, it was like a mini Coachella at high schools. They would set it up in the football field and we would be one of the acts that were performing. And a lot of them were around our age group. Uh, so round 20. And it was kind of just show kids that, hey, here are a bunch of talented musicians and you can, you know, it was great for us because we could meet people around our age that were super into music uh, as well as just kind of grow music around communities. It was great for schools and it was it was great for our following. We gained a lot of followers from that, met a lot of fans and it was cool because we got to tour. I know North Car- was it North Carolina loved us. They did. Yeah. North Carolina. I, I remember North Carolina really loving us. Yeah, we, we had like random shows that were just amazing. Like I, I know in North Carolina, we had a bunch of fans. Uh, in Texas, we had a bunch of fans. So it's great if we want to hit those places again and perform there. Yeah, then, for sure. you know, It's for great sure. to have that following. Any lessons learned from, from doing all that or, or maybe some good connections that you made from it? I mean, honestly, just a lot of like the other artists on the tour, like great friends. I mean, just it was such a great experience. It was like over... Certain tours were like over like eight weeks long. So you really got to know the crew, uh, the other performers, everyone. It was just very surreal. And also the Plain White Tees, I'll bring up, were so amazing. I mean, it was so cool. It was like late at night after our show and we were like at the hotel and we were just chilling by the, the pool and there was like a, a bonfire and we were just sharing music with one another. And that was so cool. With them? Yeah. Wow. Like, and we were just talking. He's like, oh, you got to check out this artist. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm talking to the guy who I listen to all the time. You know, that was a great experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. So each of you has had a variety of acting opportunities. Can we go like one by one and maybe have you each tell the audience a highlight in your acting career? Yeah, I d- I've done. I mean, we've all done a lot of extra work and background work as well as uh, I was in a Disney commercial. Uh, Cameron was in it with me. Uh, and I, I was on Perry Mason. Wow. Uh, I'm trying to think what are the other shows off the top of my head. I can't, I can't remember. Maybe Cameron? Uh, well, for me, um, I know he was saying the Disney Infinity commercial, um, which is a video game for Disney, uh, that they released. Uh, I, my biggest thing I've done was, I was, I think it was either, it was either 2015 or 2016. I was in the Pepsi Super Bowl commercial was the, the, probably the biggest thing I've done. But a lot of commercial acting is what I, I've done. And music videos, I was in like uh, Five Seconds of Summer, Amnesia. I was like featured in one of the featured band friends. So I hung out with them for two days. I was really cool. And like Shut Up and Dance from Walk the Moon. I'm in that music video. A bunch of things, a bunch of random things like that. 
Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. I always blank on what I've been in. I've been in a lot of different uh, commercials. For like, I did a Fortune 500 commercial. I've also done um, for Nickelodeon. They had a, a show called Dead Time Stories. I was on that. I was on that. That was pretty cool. Oh yes, thank you, Cameron. Uh, Fresh off the boat, which is a Fox TV show, was constantly at the Fox lot. That was amazing. Mm. So, are you actively trying to seek? acting opportunities or is it the focus is really just on the band right now yeah i mean i think uh they kind of go hand in hand when you're in hollywood a little bit there's a lot of they're constantly looking for musicians to fill certain roles like i know cameron he was playing the bass in uh the halftime uh commercial but or the the pepsi uh commercial but he doesn't even play the bass but you know (laughs) it's just they look for musicians a lot of the times and then usually they pick the look that they want um, but yeah, we kind of do both. It, it just depends. I mean, definitely music is the heavy focus, but we'll take an acting job here and there if it comes our way. Yeah, you bring up an int- interesting point because you think of the whole discussion around do we find musicians who already know how to play and we just have to hope that they can act a little bit or do we find actually actors and actresses and say, okay, we got to teach them how to be musicians and see if they can look like they're really pulling off the instrument we're trying to get them to play. Oh, for sure. And I've gone to a lot of uh, drumming auditions where they're like, hey, man, you know, uh, thanks so much. Like, we can tell you can actually, you actually play the drums because there's been nice. a lot of guys coming in here that just don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Flailing their arms all over yeah. the place. <laughs> or he's just that good of an actor. <laughs> yeah, I know definitely there's a lot of people when we go to places and they just, it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, I figure skated once. So, yeah, I've done ice skating. I, I've been on a sled or, or you know, actors definitely do that where they, they really reach for what they do. And, and a lot of guitarists or, uh, yeah, drummers, yeah, they get that all the There's time. There's a scene in the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray where he's playing the piano so fluently. And the lady says to him, are you sure you've never played piano before? And he goes, no, but my father was a piano mover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> Ethan, did you have something you wanted to add to all this? Oh, I love that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You have new music that is being released. What can your fans and and listeners of this show look for? Singles, EP, album? What are we talking about? So what our goal right now is to record one new song a month and release one new song on a specific date each month. And I think that's really just try it. Go for singles. Just keep releasing I hear all the time it's a singles world out there. People, it's all about the single. So we're going to try and get a bunch of just new songs out there and see what songs people like and see what they react to and make music videos. Yeah, uh, kind of what Cameron's saying. We're, we're trying to release a song a month. That's kind of our goal. And then by the end of the year, we have 12 songs that we turn into an album. Uh. Uh, and then kind of have a whole concept for the year that eventually leads into what the album is is kind of the idea so it keeps people updated and interested and then they can you know if they're really into the song that month they get to keep checking back instead of just releasing an album and then people binge like the whole album we're kind of doing it like a tv show almost with like a season yeah yeah. but yeah let's see if i can remember all the follow-up questions that are coming into my head after i heard you say all that so the first (laughs) one is do you have this catalog of music where you're saying well we're going to release one new song a month but we already know what they are or is it no we're literally writing the songs now i mean we definitely we have a long catalog of songs that were uh that we have backlog that we're kind of going through and trying to fit into 
that scheme or that that plan. And then Cameron comes to me. I mean, he wrote like six songs this week. So he's just randomly inspired. And then we just so sometimes they'll be like, okay, well, that actually fits better. And we actually want to do that one instead. So we're kind of actually doing it like three months at a time. So we plan like three songs and then go back and do another three songs. So we're trying to get the best that fits that kind of vibe. Cameron, is he exaggerating or did you really write six new songs this week? It's been a yeah, it's been a very um uh, what it, what is it? He's a feast or famine kind of guy, definitely. You know, I mean, I don't know. Like some weeks it's like nothing, then some weeks it's six songs. I don't. Wow. But, but yeah, no, wow. we're super happy, and he just gets super inspired by That's random things. Inspired. Yeah, inspired. That's the word. When it rains, it pours. <laughs> so another follow up question is: You're talking about dropping a new single every month. Does Disney allow you to play an original song or is it, sorry guys, it's got to be 100% covers every time you're on our stage? Oh yeah, no, we throw in originals definitely when we're there and we get really good reaction uh, by them. Even last, we, we were actually there yesterday and, and people came up to us and like, hey, uh, are you guys playing at clubs? Because I want to listen to your original wow. music. You know, they come wow. up to us and say, hey, I want to specifically, they're like, do you do covers at clubs? Because I don't want to listen to the covers. Uh, they they wow. say, can I specifically come for the originals? Which, which is a big compliment uh, to us. But we love, yeah, we definitely at Disney, we, we kind of mix it up. We do a lot of 90s, 60s current. That's kind of where we're at. And then we throw in Disney covers with our spin on it and then throw in originals as well. So while we're still talking about original songs, we haven't talked about the production. Do you have a producer? Where do you go and record? What does all that look like? So we, before the pandemic, we were going to a producer and recording with them. And then ever since the pandemic hit, we were really hardcore about not leaving the house or doing anything that I started picking up logic and really learning how to do things my own uh, or our own way. I always kind of was a producer in what we did anyways. So I kind of just very simplified it, learned logic, learned recording and everything. And we started just releasing uh, weekly like cover videos just to get my uh, feet in the water. And then now we've been releasing music and I've I've been producing it all. Um, and then I send it over to a guy to mix and then we send it to a person to master. And then I kind of toss it back and forth between the mixer and everyone in the band. And that's kind of been the process right now. Well, and it saves money. So it kind of sounds like it was a win-win situation because it's the pandemic. We can't go and do what we otherwise would have probably done. Now you get to learn these new skills. The band saves money. And now you kind of come out of it going, well, why would we undo this and start spending money where yeah. Charles already knows how to do it himself? Yeah. And, and the other thing, I mean, besides, you know, at a studio, they have really, they might have a little better quality stuff or, or way better quality, depending on the studio you go to. But definitely the really nice thing about recording at the, at the house or recording at our studio is if I want to change something, I just can. Like, it's not like I have to go back and book another day at the studio. And then, you know, sometimes just things fall to the wayside because I'm like, well, that's just way too much of a pain in the neck to go back and fix one little thing. So it's really nice because I can get it exactly how I want it, which is really great uh, for our songs, I think. So let's have you go one by one. And since we're at the NAMM show, talk about what guitar do you play? What drums do you play? What bass do you play? And then after that, let's kind of talk about the NAMM show and performing here and, and walking around and seeing all the exhibitors. Yeah. So I play uh, I play a few guitars, but the main one I use is a Fender American Strat. Uh, I have a nice red pick guard on it and everything. I, I, it's a white Strat. Uh, and I use an orange amp. It's a 2 by 10 uh, speaker amp. I think it's 32 watts and 64. I could be wrong about that. Don't quote me, but I know it's a uh, two by 10 speaker amp and it's, 
I use a very grungy sound. Again, it's it's a Strat with an orange amp, so it's it's pretty it's pretty rock out there. But that's that's what I use. Uh, I use a PDP drum kit. I've used it for forever. <laughs> it's just it's my favorite drum kit. Um, and then there's so many little details you could say. Like I use Remo heads. I use Zildjian um, cymbals, uh, DW uh, 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 pedal um, sticks. Uh, Vic Firth 5A wood tip uh, are the sticks that I use. I use a Fender P bass, and uh, I have it fully modded out. I actually just got it modded. I have like a new pick guard, uh, tuning pegs, uh, volume knobs, it's completely custom. I love it. Um, but it's been really great walking around the, the floor here. I saw they had my dream bass here that I want to get. It's a Ernie Ball Music Man Stingray, purple, because it's my favorite color. Uh, but it was really cool just seeing that and just all the stuff here. It's insane. Did you go and talk to any of the gear companies that you're already using in terms of, hey, maybe we could do something together? Or is it we're just walking around seeing as much as we can? Yeah, we're just walking around right now. We'll try to see if we can sneak back and go see somebody at the end of the uh, convention. But, you know, that kind of just depends on if we can make it in time and all that stuff. But it, it's been great. I mean, we love looking at all the stuff. And it's actually our first NAM we've never been ah. before. So, no, it, it's been really cool. And what about performing here? Yeah, performing um, was awesome when we performed uh, for NAM. Wow. Okay, Cameron. <laughs> A man of many words. He's our lyricist, by the way. Uh, but... Yeah, we played at the Hilton stage, uh, and we played later in the night, and it was it was really cool. We played. Uh, it's actually been a little bit where we've done like a full original set, just because we've been playing at Disney so much, and so we got to break out a bunch of new songs and a bunch of the songs that we've recorded uh, over the pandemic and stuff. So, but it, it was we had a really great reaction. We love working the crowd. Again, we're from Disney, and we actually street performed a lot before that, so. We're big at talking. We're big at working the crowd. And that's kind of, we, we try to do a whole show with our thing. Well, and two, and I want you to, to be honest, don't tell me what you think I want to hear, but I've seen performances on that Hilton stage during NAM, and an artist could feel a lot of pressure that, okay, these are industry people here. And there's a very attentive crowd that are actually watching us. And you get a night slot on the Anaheim Hilton stage, and you go, Okay, like this could be one that we're nervous for, but I sense that the three of you just have so much fun every time you step on the stage that I feel like you're going to tell me like, no, we weren't nervous. I was like, yay, another gig, and we get to do all originals this time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. We've played so many shows together, and we're so, I mean, we're brothers again, so we're around each other all the time that we don't really get nervous. And I honestly wasn't even thinking like, oh wow, there could be people that are like industry. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there was, but we were really just like okay, we just want to have a good time and work the crowd because we don't really... I mean, at Disney, we even know there's random executives and random mm -hmm. people. I mean, Disney's a pretty highly populated area. We see, you know, 2,000, 4,000 people sometimes a day, depending on the place. So Whoa. we're constantly just... We're, we're just rocking out, doing our thing, kind of. Right, Ethan? Yeah, I know for me, um, I was more excited because there was a new song that I wrote over the pandemic that we've never played before. Um, that we played that night that was really well received and that was what I was excited because I was like usually when we write songs like I'm not as involved like I'm involved but like this was one that I like really kind of initiated on and that was kind of cool to like perform that live it was really cool for me. 
Yeah, I know. Definitely. We use our live shows to really get reception back on our originals and figure out what we want to record, figure out what people are into. We constantly are changing the songs, too. Like we might play it one way a week and then the other week have a completely different bass line or uh, guitar part and things like that. So that that's a great part about us playing live so consistently. Does the band rehearse or is it? We perform so much that those are our rehearsals. It, it kind of depends. I know uh, I always run through everything because, I mean, it's just there's sometimes like I know at Disney we play like 55 songs and uh, and people. So it's a lot of songs that I got to run through and I'm singing every song pretty much. So we on top of all the other songs we know, you know, it's just 55 that we have to be really um, down on and make sure that we got it. But definitely beyond that, we we practice depending on the show. Like for Nam, we were practiced, and we, you know we had a different set of songs that we were gonna do, and so we had to get that all ready. I'd say definitely band practice is more like creative like time, because because we are performing so much right now. It's not we do practice for say if we have the show coming up for the show, but most of the time if there just is like the regular shows at Disney that we're used to, it's like let's go practice or let's record today. Let's. Let's do something creative. Oh, I see. I see. I thought you were talking about, you know, we've done this song so many times. What if we did it this way this time and somebody comes with something fresh? That, that go, does okay, happen, that's too. That's a different yeah, little definitely. twist on that song. Definitely. That does happen. I know sometimes we record our songs or record our performances and then go back and say, okay, wait, what did we do here that was wrong? Or, or this song wasn't doing as well as the other songs. Mm. So, I mean, we've definitely, even from October to now, I've... We, because we had a whole set, we had like fifty-five songs, and probably only twenty of the songs are the same still. This so, is the third time you've used that number, and Ethan, tell the audience how my jaw hit the table when he said fifty-five. His jaw went right to the table, and it's pretty far away. I'm like fifty-five. <laughs> like, like I looked at Ethan for some reason when you said that, and Ethan was like nodding along, like, "Yeah, he's not yeah, exaggerating. It's no, really fifty-five. Yeah, it's a lot of songs, and we do a lot of punk songs too, which sometimes those are only like three minutes long or <laughs> or two minutes and thirty seconds. So you know, but definitely, uh, it it is a lot of songs, and they say, "Oh, well, we can," you know. We have a lot of shows where like, oh, just repeat. You know, you can just repeat, uh, you know, the same set of songs after a period mm. of time. But we're like, nah, because we, we have a lot of people that come and just want to listen to us for long periods of time. And I feel like, you know, I owe it to them to make sure that it's different every time. It's interesting. And, and I think that's why we have a lot of people come back and why Disney loves us. I'm glad you said that because there's something that you said a few minutes ago that really struck me, which is every performer knows and I can tell stories for days just like the three of you can that you never know who might be in the crowd. I'm holding up air quotes, audience. <laughs> and to get booked to be a regular performer at Disney, I think the tendency would be to think of little kids and families and uh, these people are just on vacation. And you made a statement that you never know who might be there. It might be executives. It might be whoever. And I'm tipping my cap to the three of you to recognize that because I think the tendency is to say, we're just background music and it's just people on vacation and you never know that might be somebody on vacation who walks up with a business card and says, you oh, guys yeah. are really great. Contact me because. For sure. Yeah, I know because even like sometimes they, they come to us and like, hey, you know, like before we even play at a stage because they, they kind of move us around and they'll be like, hey, this is kind of like the background music kind of vibe. You're playing at like a restaurant kind of thing. And then by the end of the, the set, they're like, no, they keep blasting us louder because that's just it's selling more, you know, they're selling more food and more people are coming. And so it does become more of a concert. Definitely when we're there, I can't speak for the other acts because I actually haven't seen any of the other acts <laughs> on the stages, but I know we definitely we're more of a 
a concert than just a, a background. Yeah, song. I like it. I like it. We're going to close today with another one of the Christopher Brothers original songs, one called Campbell's Song. Before I let you guys go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. For sure. So to get a little heavy, but this song I wrote, God, about, I'd say like 10 years ago. It was about my friend who, uh, unfortunately, he took his own life. And it just kind of, it had like a really like deep impact on me when that happened. And I wrote it and I, we kind of like tucked it away for a while because it's just like, it's like upsetting kind of thing. And then we'd like revisit it. And then we finally got around to recording and being like, you know, hey, you know, enough time has passed. Let's, you know, get this song out there. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, and I mean, we're not that we're like, and I mean, we are anti-suicide, obviously, but we're not like trying to preach a message. We're more just telling a story about what happened with us, definitely. And uh, it's kind of just about like how a lot of people that do end up, you know, um, taking their own life, they kind of don't take a step back and look at their life and see what they have going for them or who cares about them because they're so tunnel visioned on what's happening at that moment. Well, also kind of like, I don't want to say like blaming myself, but seeing like, what could I have done mm. to maybe have prevented this horrible tragedy type situation? So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's heavy stuff. That's heavy yeah. stuff. Otherwise, though, it's been a lot of fun, guys, and I really appreciate you making yeah, time sorry, to come Yeah, sorry to leave on that note. <laughs> no, no. Congratulations on all the success, and I do appreciate you making time to be on Now Here This Entertainment. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. It's been great. You bet. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to Ethan, Charles, and Cameron, the Christopher Brothers. Do be sure to visit their official website at thechristopherbrothers.com. And again, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. You will find links on their website to purchase their music and buy their merch. You can also utilize the icons there to follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and to subscribe to and watch their music videos on their YouTube channel. Look for the link as well to follow them and stream their music on Spotify. You can also find the Christopher Brothers on TikTok just by searching their name. Be sure to let them know that you heard them and their music and now hear this entertainment. That's going to do it for episode 441. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song by the Christopher Brothers. This is the one they just talked about. It's called Campbell's Song.
say something you're into another one Maybe the lobby fine Take a second to think of all the things that you seen and what all of them means and who you leave behind Whatever I'll take on to Do another world where 